Hello, this is Allie. And this is Mary. We are going to be discussing Cranford, which we just finished reading together. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, I'm going to tell you a little bit about her life, uh, the, uh, the life of the author, Elizabeth Gaskell. So she was born in 1810, and she and her older brother were the only surviving children of their parents. I think they had eight children, and only okay. her older brother, John, and she survived. And their mother died when Elizabeth was about 13 months old. Oh, my goodness. And her father didn't really know what to do with her. Mm. So he sent her to live with her aunt and her grandparents in a little town called Newtsford or Nutsford. Okay. Um, he eventually remarried, and they had more children. Mm. Um, her brother, John, as a young man, let's see, when she was 17, he joined, he was going to join the Navy, but he ended up joining the East India, like, Trade, trading company as a okay. merchant okay. sailor and he went missing in 1927 so when she was 17 wow. and never heard from him again oh my goodness that's so sad I know they were a Unitarian family okay. so not like uh, Church of England right. They, I looked up Unitarian a little bit they believe not in the Trinity but in like one oh, wow. the, the God is like God is like one being okay. and they also have a pretty strong emphasis on like um, multiple paths to God different faiths kind of going together okay. like now we know them as this universe, Unitarian Universalist right, right. and so right. Um, she in- she eventually married a Unitarian minister okay. named somebody Gaskell I can't nice. remember yeah. <laughs> um, Mr. Gaskell yes and so from reading in biographical information about her, we know that she's ar- she was always interested in writing, even from an early age. She published um, some poems co-authored with her husband early on. When her first daughter was born, she uh, her first daughter actually was stillborn, and her second oh. daughter, when her second daughter was born, she began a diary, like documenting her daughter's mm-hmm. childhood and then kind of observing child development and. Um, so yeah, she she started publishing under a pseudonym, Cotton Mather Mills. Oh, that's a um, pseudonym. Yeah, and then she used that up until the mid forties, and so she like she had her children mostly in like the thirties and early forties. Okay. And so her first work started coming out while she was having children. Wow. She ended up having four, five, and a couple of them died in infancy. Infancy, but most of them, that her daughters survived. Okay. Um, let's see. So, eventually, she and her husband moved and settled in Manchester. Oh, yeah. Um, which is, like, an industrial town. Sure. Shows up in some other of her works. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I guess, were fairly well-to-do, and I don't really know to what, like, where their wealth right. came from, There's but they were definitely of, like, the social standing where they could, like, entertain and have, right. you know, a social circle. after noon. Yes, exactly. <laughs> And so, interestingly, her social circle included a lot of reformers and writers, so I guess they were kind of the more, like, progressive-minded set. Um, She became friends with Charlotte Bronte. Oh, interesting. And eventually, Charles Dickens. Okay. And so, um, their home in Manchester was sort of like a destination for, like, traveling writers and artists, including Harriet Beecher Stowe, who came to visit her on a um, trip to England. And apparently, Charlotte Bronte visited her at least three times, and there's one account of Charlotte Bronte, like, hiding behind curtains when she didn't want to see other people. She, like, <laughs> hid behind a drawing room drapes. Nice. Um, so, I don't 
know specifically when she met Charles Dickens, mm-hmm. but they were definitely correspondents okay. for a while. And then he started this like journal, like a periodical called Household Words, mm-hmm. and um, her some and her work was featured in some of the first like install like um, okay yeah publications, not sure. episodes, but you yeah, know what I mean. right publications yeah install um whatever yeah. Issues. Yeah, issues. There we go. Yes. Issues. Yeah. issues. Yeah. And um so then some of her some of those early stories were about kind of this uh small town which mm-hmm. she called which was really the town that she had grown up in with okay. her aunt and her grandparents mm-hmm. called Nutsford or Newtsford. And so Dickens encouraged her to expand mm-hmm. this and write more. So there's kind of a long gap and then she wrote more installments and that became Cranford. So she renamed Nutsford Cranford. Okay. She renamed Manchester Drumble. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, so just that, so we can talk more about the book Cranford in a minute. Um, interestingly, um, Patrick Bronte, who's Charlotte Bronte's father, he actually personally asked Elizabeth Gaskell to write a biography of Charlotte, oh, wow. which she did. And it was published in the fifties. Huh. Um, after Charlotte had died before okay. Elizabeth Gaskell died, yeah. obviously. Mm-hmm. And that was the first biography of Charlotte Bronte wow. and possibly the only, like, officially sanctioned one, although I'm not sure about that. Um, a lot of her correspondence survives um, with friends, with daughters, and they reveal that she was kind of always balancing the concerns of being a wife and a mother with mm-hmm. the concerns of being a professional. Like, I read a few of her letters this morning, and one of them she was writing to a friend saying, oh, I really wish I could go to this thing with you, but I have to stay home and, like, get the house ready for guests. It, the thing was, like, a, a reading at a at mm-hmm. a London, like, bookshop or something. Wow. And so, I mean, she produced quite a few works, quite a few novels, okay. and yeah. so we do see that she balanced that mm-hmm. pretty well, but right. she definitely was, like, an active mother and wife and wow. managing a household. Mm-hmm. Um, she died in 1865, so at age 55, of a sudden heart attack. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So... That's what I have about her life. Yeah, thanks for sharing about her life. Yeah. Um, okay, so was any of that, like, surprising to you? Yeah, um, I, yes, I didn't know, I guess I didn't expect that she was both Unitarian, which, Mm -hmm. that was just an interesting, I I don't know how many people in England at that time were, if that was a very unusual thing or not, but that's interesting. And then just her relationship with all the other authors, very Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so, do you think, do you know if characters in Cranford were inspired by people in her? Real life people? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know that there were some, definitely some events. So, like, the thing with the cow and the flannel, mm-hmm. that actually was, she said, well. <laughs> in a letter, she said, I haven't put in as much detail because people wouldn't even believe it. They would think <laughs> I went too far in making it up. That's so hilarious. she wove a lot of like stories yeah. in, but I don't know well, if the people were actually. No, yeah, I mean, right. if I had known all those people, maybe I bet there's some similarities. Right, right, right. Maybe she couldn't be like too, you know. Yes, exactly. Explicit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I thought it was interesting. I saw some connections between the Unitarian mm-hmm. aspect of her faith and at least one portion of the book. Okay. Do you see a connection? Um, Do you remember a connection? Mm, or can you I don't know. Share, share what you're thinking with me. Well, when um, Mrs. Brown, like Samuel Brown's mm-hmm. wife, is mm-hmm. saying that she was carrying her baby through the jungles of India, right. remember? Yeah. And then she, like, is trying to get to Calcutta, I think. Yeah. 
And she said, I don't know if it was right of me, but I went and prayed in this temple. Oh, yes. And I right, prayed to right, God. Right, so it was right. like, clearly she was praying to, we presume the Christian God, but right. she was praying in a temple. And mm-hmm. Elizabeth Gaskell presents it as the woman mm-hmm. is kind of like unsure if that was okay. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was yeah, an interesting yeah, connection yeah, there. For sure. And then obviously with her brother. Right. Right. And so it almost seems like the writing of Peter is like a wish fulfillment. Yes. Like for she sure. wishes her brother could have come back. Yeah. And that these characters that she created get to experience, yeah, what she wishes. Yeah, yeah she yeah. could have experienced. And then her, her mother died early, and then the character of Mary mm-hmm. Smith True. only, like, we don't know much about her, but she only has a father that right. we know of. Right. Um, so a couple other things about Cranford, the book. Gaskell became, so Cranford is more episodic and sort of... Um, it's like vignettes. Yeah, vignettes, like a series of sketches. Right. Some other of her works were more traditional novels, sure. like North and South and um, Wives and Daughters, which was one of the last works. It was actually published, yeah. like, a month before she died. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Um, but Cranford actually was the most popular. Her other works, like, were not really well known after her life. She was she published okay. as Mrs. Gaskell, and she mm-hmm. was always known as Mrs. Gaskell. And so Mrs. Gaskell's works kind of, like, faded in popularity, except for Cranford. And Cranford remained popular all the way to, like, the early 1900s. Wow. And one of those, um, one of the reasons cited for that is that there were several illustrated editions uh, Mm. published of it. And it was kind of like a, a cheap paperback edition with some different illustrators throughout the decades that kept it being sold in in the public mind. Um... It's characterized, the book is characterized more by a continuity of characters, not a plot or linear sure. narrative. Um, and then I thought this was interesting. This is a by a scholar named Jenny Uglow. Um, she, uh, she says that the novel chronicles a society in transition. And then she says, quote, the small social group begins to encompass those hitherto banned on the grounds of class. Mm-hmm. Um, as the female arbiters of society grow from their initial illusion that their conservative values are effective guardians of gentility to a realization that kindness and concern for each other are a more effective basis of mutual support. Mm. So I thought yeah. that was really interesting. Yeah, I, I really liked that about the book in that you you would expect this um, group of women to be not necessarily very supportive of each other, mm-hmm. you know, and, and kind of you think of like the maybe the trope as like them being very petty or 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 Mm -hmm. like always gossiping about each other Mm -hmm. but but they are such a supportive they are network i mean they do gossip well sure but they are i mean especially they care about each other oh yeah and like especially that's evident when miss maddie um loses her fortune stopped payment Mm -hmm. and they all secretly meet you know that's right and they individually i mean they each have their own reason for giving money you know yeah. to her but it's but the heart of the reasons is because they care they about care her. for her yeah. yes yeah. definitely yeah um yeah um so let's just kind of talk about the characters that you like so mm. yeah what were when you think about the book what were some of your what characters stand out to you and like why do you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. why did they why did you connect with them? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I of course, Miss Maddie Jenkins is just hard not to love. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the narrator. She was, of course, I mean, she was a different type of character, right? But She was kind of in the background. Right, but, but, but the way that she presented everything was very kind of 
matter of fact. Mm-hmm. You could tell that she cared about these mm-hmm. ladies too. But she was poked fun at them sometimes. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. The yeah. sea green turban. She was like, <laughs> I would like, rather I... take all the abuse than right. let her disfigure herself with my <laughs> turban. Yeah. yeah, she definitely didn't take any, you know, she didn't not stand up to them when she wanted yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you? What characters did you like? Um, well, I felt like if I was in the town, I would probably be the Miss Pole. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> I felt like I would always be going around. Yeah. Like, did you what? know? Did you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's true. Uh, <laughs> so I, I did yeah. fine with her. Yeah. Um yeah, and I felt like Miss Matt. I don't think I would have been Miss Matt. I feel like you have a more Miss Maddie personality mm. where you're like gentle and sweet, and like she's the like her sweetness is the type of sweetness that makes me feel like a little on right, edge. Right, right, right. What is going on? Yeah, there are so many fun characters in it, and you know they come and go. So yeah. you know, those are kind of the ones that stay throughout the duration of the book. Yeah, that's but, true. I liked I liked the Senior Brunoni mm-hmm. slash Brown family mm-hmm. saga. Yeah. I thought that was really fun. Yeah, I did too. And you know, sentimental, sad, heartwarming, yeah, and sad. Yeah, and it also really provided an important plot point because True. that's how she heard of the Aga that's right. Jenkins. By the way, I don't know what Aga. I guess it's like a title. Yeah, A G A. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Um. So. Yeah. I mean, the Peter narrative was really, Mm -hmm. like, that whole storyline was really um, heartbreaking slash warming, Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I thought that was a, I thought that was really well done, like we talked about before. Right. It, or maybe I was talking about with Anne, I don't know, Mm. but um, it was really not dramatic, like, yes. it was just like, no, yeah. this is a real life tragedy that could have happened. Right. And, and did. Did happen. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Why do you, did you like the less novel plot driven, the less mm. plot driven novel style and more just vignettes of kind of everyday life in one town or do you prefer? Mm, good question. I mean, I didn't mind it. Like, yeah. It felt, it felt really easy to read, I guess. <laughs> like, um, but yeah. I mean, I thought it served the plot well, yeah. especially with the narrative. I think the device of having a narrator who lives somewhere else and comes in mm-hmm. every so often is a good way to like make yeah. it episodic without it being odd. Like right. there's a reason that she because there is sees. an overarching kind of mm-hmm. yeah connection between mm-hmm. them all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that it was a book that didn't rely on plot for, mm-hmm. like, the intrigue or the... And it's very interesting to me that it wasn't Elizabeth Gaskell's most famous... It was her mm-hmm. most famous work mm-hmm. compared to Wives and Daughters or mm-hmm. North and South. Because those have more, have, like, driving stories. They do, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a very compelling kind of... The, the plot is, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But for this, it's like, you just enjoy hearing about, learning about their kind of, and, and so many things in it were things that I could relate to, even though it's a super different time and different situation, because they're just kind of human things that people experience. Being scared of ghosts, or walking in a dark lane, mm -hmm. or something. Yeah, was it, um, Miss Maddie, who had the India rubber, who, like, basically, she kept all rubber bands, because they were, like, precious to her. Oh, no, that was, um. 
That was the narrator. Oh, okay. Narrator. Okay. I, that is what I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what is, insane. is that your own personal, like, economy? Is, like, rubber yeah. Uh, rubber, rubber bands, uh, we don't have in very many, so mm-hmm. they're, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They're very special. No, it is for me. Maybe ponytail holders. <laughs> yes. And bobby pins for me. Too. Yeah. I like will buy them and then a year later it's like, mm-hmm. how do I not have any more? Right. So if I have one, I always like make sure to know where I put it. Yes. Yeah. So one quote that I thought was so funny was, I think Ms. Pohl says it, my father was a man, so I know the sex yeah. pretty well. <laughs> I thought that was so I funny. had to read that three times. I was like, oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> so like, oh, I know what I was going to say earlier, uh-huh. so I'll finish this. So do you, do you think like I just think it's interesting this kind of ties in what I was thinking mm-hmm. that Elizabeth Gaskell knew men like she grew up maybe like her right. father was alive but she was okay. raised by her aunt and apparently her grandparents lived there okay but then she got married at age 22 and right. she lived with men and she corresponded with Charles Dickens right so it's just interesting that as a married woman with children she's writing about all these unmarried women mm-hmm. and so it's kind of like she's poking fun at herself a little bit with like the credulity like you have to be so credulous to get married, to get married. yeah and yeah. yeah she's a married woman right with children of her own right. so yeah I just thought that was kind of interesting and then my I was going to ask you what you thought about Miss Maddie's dream of the child remember that mm, what part was that in it was near the end and she said she she has a dream of a little Comes to her. You don't remember that? I don't think so. Oh no, that's like yeah. a, a very emotional point of the book. But she, it's almost like this longing for a child that she mm. never had. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. I would just yeah. kind of think Gaskell is kind of writing in like she is a mother, right? Imagining right. what a child, a childless woman might be feeling mm. about not being a mother. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe in the way that only a mother could write mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember that part, but I'll have to go mm-hmm. back and listen to it. Yeah. You can just borrow the book from me and read oh, it. Oh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't remember what I was going to say either. Can you pause it and then... So tell me some about the fashions in Cranford. They talk a lot about that. Yeah, well, I don't have a lot of specifics about that. The copy of the book I have has something about fashion in the appendix, but it basically is just, here you can see the pictures, it's just showing, like, the different styles, and basically there's a lot of, like, nuances that are lost on us as modern readers about the... The headwear. Mm -hmm. And, and, like, basically the little old ladies in Cranford are really out of fashion, but they're trying hard to be really in fashion. So it's kind of like for us, like, maybe if you were trying to have the just right shoulder pads. Right. Okay, and shoulder gotcha. pads are just not even in style anymore, mm-hmm. but they're still worrying about having just the just right, right size right, of them or right. something. Well, that's funny, too, because they're, I guess, do you think they're trying to kind of impress the younger generation, or are they just trying to impress I the think they're, other ladies of their generation? I think they're just trying to impress the other ladies of their generation, but, I mean, I think there is, I think they think they're trying to impress yes. the younger <laughs> people, but they're just so right out of touch with what's modern and like apparently miss betty barker mm-hmm. who's supposed to be the one who's in she's she's not she's even. just as equal <laughs> she's like saying you know now jumpers are in yeah 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 like, <laughs> no, no they're really not right. that and they have mary smith there to keep them yeah you know but she she doesn't seem to be super fashionable herself yeah 
but she may be trying to nudge them in the right direction. Right. Um, how how old do you think Mary Smith is? I don't know. I mean, I always imagined her as a young woman, and yeah. I am curious if she has any suitors or anything. Right. Like how any close, followers? Is, yeah. That is Maddie Jenkins allowed? Right. Is matrimony going to approach her? Yes. And she is it the, the great calamity. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. I I I don't know. How old yeah. do you think she was? Um. Yeah. I think. I always imagined her in her 20s, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the book spans maybe eight or ten years. That's a good point. So That's good she point. obviously right. didn't get married in that time. Right. So she's, yeah, kind maybe of she's Spencer. bound to be the next Miss <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> um, to wrap up, there is a TV series. Um, I haven't seen it, but it's actually based on some Cranford and a few other books that oh, Elizabeth okay. Gaskell wrote about Cranford. So there's one called Return to Cranford. And a different one that, that that source material was pulled from to make okay. the TV series. That's fun. And um, it was made, I think, in like 2007, 2008. Okay. It's BBC, of course. Mm-hmm. And, um, or maybe it's not actually BBC, but, you know, it's British. Sure. No, it is BBC. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Basically, uh, th- there's a lot of characters in it that aren't in this book, but you would recognize some of them. Okay. Judy Dench plays Miss Maddie, and then um, the lady who plays, uh, like, Imelda Staunton is her name. She plays, in the Harry Potter, the Doris Umbridge? Yes. Dolores Umbridge. D- yes. She plays oh Miss Pole. Oh, I my goodness. I don't know who plays Mary Smith. Okay. But um, I thought that'd be fun to watch sometime. Mm-hmm, that would I mean, be fun. Although I'm not, like... With my limited amount of watching TV, I'm not, like, going to run out and do it tonight. Right, because right. I feel like I, I was very, like, satisfied by reading the yeah. book. It's not like I'm like, I have to see this in real life. Right. Because it just, I don't know, it kind of gives you just, like, a warm and cozy feeling That's of reading right. it. And yeah. Yeah. so I almost don't want to, like, mess up the feelings I have about the book right. by watching the miniseries. But it would right. probably be fun to watch it sometime. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I wonder so. if it's as heartwarming of a story yeah. as... I don't know if Peter is involved in it or yeah. not, but I would, I mean, it would be interesting to see. There are episodes in Cranford that I think would be really fun to see on, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's true. The cow. <laughs> I would also like to see the, like, um, the sedan chair. Mm-hmm. Like, I, with the, like, the guys trotting yeah. there. <laughs> like, that's just... as when they, that one, yeah, point when they were all trying to decide like who's not gonna sit in the right. isn't that what they yeah, were yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. decide yeah, who's gonna Cause, sit because there were three of them and then like the other two ladies have to like walk really fast to keep up. <laughs> that would be fun yeah. yeah well i enjoyed reading this book this to was you. fun Allie is a I great enjoyed, choice thank you for driving three hours to my house to of record course. this with me. of course <laughs> um i'm looking forward to the short stories that you're gonna do next yeah. and we'll just stay tuned yes all right